Hey everyone, my name's Monica. And I'm Josh. And we, we rate ratings. Because people have opinions. But there are two sides to every story. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, we had a good chuckle before this. Yeah, we did. You want to explain? You want to explain why we're acting a little goofy, maybe a tinge silly at the start (laughs) of this episode? A little bit quirky. Well, (laughs) it's actually a great segue because as of right now, uh, the first episode has not aired. We're pre-recording. So... Like, we're pre-recording all the episodes, I mean. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so the only feedback we've gotten is from our editor-in-chief, Keely. You Keely, love her. Hey, Brew. Uh-huh. Hey, Brew. <laughs> hey Bizzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we also, the other person is culture editor, King, Jeffrey Kelly. Jeffrey Kelly. So, um, they, it came to our attention that we maybe should preface that we are not doing this in person. Yes, we are not. Maybe, maybe that would explain some sort of different quality and voice if that were to happen. Being like, well, why are one of you talking in an open space and the other is talking in a box? You know, stuff like that, quirky things. You know, and I was actually okay. Basically, long story short, folks, uh, we had some technical issues, (laughs) and so Josh was carrying his computer around, and the whole time, every room. Room yes. to room. Yeah, and he could see me laughing, but he couldn't hear me. Yeah. And I could see him it's frantically panicking and hearing him. Some I sort of it. sick joke. I already woke up too late this morning. I it's did too. I some did. sort of, I don't know, some sort of sick joke. The right. world's pulling on me, pulling on my leg here. Yeah. Really don't appreciate it. I thought, you know, after our little introductions here about how we're doing and the chaos of this morning... We can get into our vacation stories just for a mm-hmm. second, just a little, yes. you know, how we've been doing these past few weeks. Because the last time we sat down and recorded and talked, it was back in May, like middle of May, and now it's like almost middle of June, so it's been a while. So I know me and Josh, we took two separate trips. It's honestly like we took two separate trips uh, to each on like different parts of the world, on different parts of the U.S. because like I got sent to the mountains in a desert. Um, and I think Josh, he got sent to like, wasn't it Auburn? Or I did go to Auburn. I actually went on two trips. So yeah. I went to Auburn for, I want to say three days, ate some really good food. You know the saying like on, <laughs> oh, no. these are really good people. I want to preface this with the people that are like, Oh, how does it go? Love God, love people. It's yeah. like a great night with great food and great people. That's sort yeah. of how my weekend went <laughs> at right. that point in time. But I went there and then for a week, just I came back the 5th. We're recording on the 10th. Who knows when it'll be uploaded? Hey, things happen. <laughs> things get lost in the realm of cyberspace. But you can't rush art. That's what they said. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I went to Cocoa Beach, which is just an hour shy of Orlando. And we also went to Tampa for a day. We went to Bush Gardens for a day. 
which was interesting. One thing I noticed, which, I mean, it is June 2021, but not a soul had a mask on the whole trip. Like, nobody. And I guess, you know, this is coming from someone who hasn't been vaccinated yet, but I've had COVID, as we all know. I I don't know. It's like a running joke with me. I got diagnosed on my birthday. Super, (laughs) super silly, but... um, You know, I do have antibodies, so I wasn't too worried, but I guess sometimes I feel like a lot of people are sort of rushing into normalcy, not to get political. Right, right. But, I mean, it was interesting. I guess, I guess, you know, I'm only 20 years old. I'm not like these 50, 60-year-olds who they've spent so much of their life without a mask, but like the past year, really year and a half, we've had a mask on. I'm honestly used to it. I think at this point my skin has sort of adapted to mask me and is like, ah, I don't know, fam, too much work. I think, I think we've got it from here. So I'm like, oh, no more complaints for me. But anyways, that's enough about masks. (laughs) How was your trip, Monica? Well, it's actually great that we segued into masks because when I said um, mountains, I meant I took a trip up to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. That was in the beginning of May. Um, I think the second week. Anyway, technicalities. We don't love them. Uh, and I was kind of worried because they said like Tennessee for a while there was like the worst when it came to Corona because their governor, I mean, I don't, again, we don't want to get it political. I just heard through the grapevine that their governor, uh, he did not really enforce masks. He was kind of like, oh, you guys just do what you want. And so they did. And so it was like, I think one of the fastest growing hotspots for like COVID cases. And, you know, there was like a lot of people, I think around this time last year, there was like this viral photo that got taken of like the same area where I was just at like a month ago where nobody was wearing masks and they were all like tightly packed together. And I was like, oh great, just walking down the street, no mask. Uh, But my trip went well, that was like a family trip, Uh, you know, and by that, I mean, it was just the four of us, me, my parents and my brother, so that was fun. Uh, and then, like, literally a cup. We stayed. Okay, so we stayed in Gatlinburg for like a week, and then we came back home for a week, and then we were immediately on a plane. Me and my mom. We went to El Paso, Texas. That was like a bigger. Like, if Gatlinburg was like our immediate family trip, then like El Paso was like our extended family trip. Because, like, I met so many of my uncles and aunts again and my little cousins. That was a trip um, to remember, I guess. It was just a good time all around. Mm. I have nothing negative to say. I do love Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg, to me, it's so funny. Like, when you think of, like, I hate to throw a Miley Cyrus quote in there. But when you think of hoedown throwdowns, you usually think of, like, the beach <laughs> and everything. But yeah. the Gatlinburg... And another similar place that's a little bit smaller, Helen, Georgia, which is probably only an hour away. I think they're both on the, they're both around the Blue Ridge Mountains. But anyways, the funny thing about Gatlinburg is it's literally like, take the hangout at Gulf Shores or New Orleans, but make it cold. Like everybody just throws down there. But then like literally 30 feet away, it's like a mom and their child on the ski lift. Everybody have fun. Yeah. Good luck. It's just, it's so many different walks of life which I guess that's what you get when you go on vacations but I guess before we get to rambling too long 
Monaco, would you want to do the honors in introducing who we're going to be speaking with today? I would love to, uh, because I know this fellow. I, I do not. Fellow, I say fellow like he's like, <laughs> You're I don't like know, like a class. Best man in a wedding. He's going to give like the toast whenever you get married. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, plot twist, y'all. <laughs> but anyway, no, I know this professor. I've taken his class. His name is John Bridger Gilmore. He's really cool. Uh, again, I take I took him in the past spring, spring of 2021. I took his class. It was English 311, which is Black Academic Novels. Uh, that was a really great class. I enjoyed it. And so I'm really glad that he was uh, able to agree to do this show because I feel like, uh, as we're going to see coming up, all his reviews are positive, which we love, but there's not really a lot of them. Uh, so I'm hoping we can bring more like people's awareness to this awesome guy because his classes are really small. Like They're under, I believe, 10 people usually, definitely under 20. And so I feel like, you know, maybe in the upcoming semester so get a chance to you know teach more people which will be like obviously cool so yeah yeah and that's like that brings me to maybe a reason why we do this podcast is as much as we love the drama and the shade of it all with negative reviews we do want to bolster professors that we and other students think are doing a really good job so that maybe you know sort of like the point of rmp rate my professor is if you're looking for an English or a lit credit, you could take this guy because everyone says he's good and we get to talk with them. So it sort of lifts the veil and you see him in a more humane light. You see him more as an individual rather than just a professor. And I think that could really benefit not only him and how he's perceived as a professor, but also others in his department, as well as students looking to take a class. So I think it's just a great idea and we're going to have a lot of conversations and a long one with jbg not rbg but jbg <laughs> but um you know it'll be fun and i hope everybody enjoys and yeah we'll see you on the flip side ttyl talk to you soon right we'll be right back Okay, so we are here with Mr. Garrett Bridger Gilmore. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Great. So Josh, do you want to kind of roll in this first little, because right now, guys, what we're going to do is give you guys some background on this professor, and then we're going to go into the reviews. So Josh, do you want to take a hold of the first background question? Sure. I will jump in the driver's seat real quick. So... <laughs> So, Dr. Bridger Gilmore, which department do you teach at, and for how long have you taught there? So, I am primarily teaching uh, in the English department. So, my contract is in the English department, um, and I just finished my third year here. Um, I also teach occasionally classes in the Department of Gender and Race Studies. Uh, so, how would you describe, like, your teaching style or kind of you as a teacher when it comes to, like, I guess primarily English, but you can also like fill in some gaps for gender and race studies. Mm -hmm. um, how do I, boy. Uh, I think that 
I tend to be first and foremost, like pretty informal, um, which I'm sure some of that will come across in, in these reviews. Um, I'm, I'm sort of afraid to see what, <laughs> to see what that looks like from a student's perspective. But um, I, um, you know, I teach primarily like intro classes. So I teach like first year writing classes and I teach the literature survey classes, primarily African-American lit surveys. Um, so I'm dealing with students who are not in, like they're not in, in their major, right? They're not taking the class that is like going to like launch them into the, the like career or the study path that they're interested in. So um, uh, I try to make things like accessible, right? I try to like make things, um, you know, uh, appeal to people who are not, you know, who like don't have confidence in themselves as like writers or as readers. And, and I really try to build um, those kind of foundational skills um, and not get too like in the weeds with like the stuff that I, you know, like what my research is on, for example, I'm not like doing nearly any of that stuff in, in my teaching. But um, so, yeah, so it, it's, it's, I'm kind of at the sort of like front lines for a lot of people's engagement with like, you know, with, with the humanities or with English. Um, and so a lot of that has to do with just like bringing people in and being like, oh, this stuff is like interesting, but it's also important, right? It's like, there are there are there's a lot of freedom with it, but there's also like rules for like how you m make arguments and like, you know, readings that make sense and, and ways that are, you know, um, uh, it's not just like a, a sort of free for all, which I think sometimes students expect. Um, so, so kind of trying to balance like, um, you know, bringing people in who, who don't have confidence and then also sort of like convincing people who, who feel that it's like sort of immaterial or, or sort of fluffy or, or not, you know, not substantive that like, no, there's like something there to be um you know to be to be grappled with and i know you mentioned that you deal with a lot of non-english major students and you're a very informal professor how does that come across because i know a lot of students they sort of weigh the pros and cons or the costs and benefits with their teachers the first week they have them mm -hmm. how do you sort of convey that especially in syllabus day but just generally in the first few classes that you're informal that there's no stress, like we're just here to learn and primarily have a good time. How do you do that? Um, I try to uh, make the expectations for what the workload is going to be really clear um, on the first day and then kind of in the first week. Um, I try to have my workload be as consistent as possible throughout the, the course of the semester, um, especially this last year with COVID. I, I tried to make everything, you know, not even in just terms of like how many pages are being read, but like, you know, you should expect to be doing like, you know, this, this length of work, right? Like two hours of work for the, you know, for each class or whatever it is, um, just so that students know um, like what they're getting into. Because sometimes, you know, I could give you like 10 poems and it takes, I don't know, you could read 10 poems in over two hours, but like most people probably aren't going to do that. Um, so so I, I try to sort of to give not just like page numbers, but also like time, time lengths. Um, and then... The other thing too is to like, I mean, so for me, the majority of the classes that I teach are these African-American lit classes. Um, and as a like white man doing that, there's, there is, um, I think, I think there's, there's more responsibility that I have to take to sort of um, uh, be sort of forthcoming about my relationship to the material in the class. Right. And so sort of be like, obviously I'm not, I'm not black, I'm not African-American. So like my, um, you know, uh, the reason that a lot of people take these African-American lit classes is to like have a, a you know, a kind of representation in the classroom that, um, 
you either don't get in, in, in a lot of other classes here or like you don't get through through high school. Um, and so a lot of times students expect the professor to be black also. Um, and so, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of black instructors or professors at the university. Um, and so it's reasonable to expect that like the African-American lit class would be a place where you would have a black professor. So sometimes there's like a sort of managing those expectations. And, and, and I try to like address them head on, which also makes it hopefully, you know, easier for students to feel like um, we can talk about race and racism in these issues, which like the class is going to be about. Um, I try to I try to sort of like bring that up on the first day. Right. It's sort of like I know like what this looks like. Right. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, trying to fine tune that um, it's it's it changes. I, I sort of think like, oh, like this, this part's weird. You know, the way that I like presented this was was like weird or awkward. Um, but there was some awkwardness. And I think that just sort of like leaning into the awkwardness um, helps get it out of the way. And then and then and then you can just kind of do the work afterwards. That's, that's how I try to handle it. All right. And then. Um kind of a question that just kind of popped in my head as we transition into reviews is that you mentioned earlier that you were kind of nervous or like that you don't really look at the reviews. So have you ever like looked at your Rape My Professor reviews or uh, not really? Um, when I was in grad school, I did. Um, so when I was at the University of California, Irvine, um, I looked at those. Um, and then when I, I have not looked at mine since I got here, um, oh. I don't. Because I remember when Rate My Professor was like, when I was in college, mm. um, I remember Rate My Professor being very important. I remember looking at it a lot. Um, and then when I was in grad school, I was like, oh, it's like, like I would still like look at it also for like my, like my professors that I had as a grad student, not super seriously, but I was just like, oh, I like wonder what their reputation is. Um, because as you're learning to teach, you're kind of like, okay, well, like how do certain things come off, right? Like I'm, I'm experiencing this professor this way. I'm wondering like what other students think about them. And there's obviously a pretty big disconnect between like undergraduate experiences and graduate student classes. But, um, so then I was, I would like look at mine and I'd be like, okay, like this seems, these seem to be pretty fair. I, it would be funny. I don't know if you guys have queued up my grad school ones, but I'd be willing to go back and look at those too. Um, but I have not looked at them since, since I've been here, um, mostly out of, um, mostly out of fear and also um, a sense that, but maybe maybe an incorrect sense that it's uh, rate my professor is not as not as active and lively as it used to be, um, you know, ten or twelve years ago when I was when I was using it in college. Well, I don't know if you know this kind of a, again segue into them, but um, there is a new format that I'm not a big fan of. I feel like I mentioned that on the first episode like a more modern thing going on and i'm again not a fan do they, but still, do they still have the chili pepper rating no they got rid of those no. i think a couple of years back we That's actually talked good. to our first guest about that because <laughs> yeah you have nothing to fear because all our reviews are positive they're all in the green okay. so like round of applause yes. um so josh do you want to get started with the sure. first one so this is not the first review chronologically, but it's pretty close. No, it is. I just don't know how to read. Okay, March 2019. It's English 249, which okay. is African American Lit 1. Mm -hmm. It goes, he's one of the most chill professors I've had. 
He grades super easy, understands that sometimes you have to miss class and lets you make up assignments, and really, really, two reallys, helps you understand the readings. He's super knowledgeable about the topic and gets excited to teach it. He laughs at his own jokes and gives lots of extra credit. And something I wanted to mention is we had this sort of discussion last episode. Um, There's sort of a, not discourse, but there's sort of different sides when it comes to professors being labeled as easy. Mm -hmm. When you hear that uh, students say that you grade super easy, do you take that as sort of a compliment or, because I know some professors, but it seems like it seems like with you, you don't, you wouldn't take it as backwards considering, as you mentioned, you have, you know, clear grading criteria, workload criteria, mm-hmm. and set out expectations. So do you take being seen as the easy professor simply the jigsaw falling into place that you sort of laid out your expectations well? Is there any sort of like, oh, I don't want to be the easy professor. I want to challenge my students. What's your sort of stance on that? Um yeah, I mean, I definitely don't feel bad when I when I hear that. I do I do tend to take that as like I've set expectations and I've and my students are meeting them. Um, you know, every semester I have students that don't meet them, right? So it's not like everyone can just like default hit them, right? You do have to put in work, and so you know, there's a, a sort of fine tuning of like what's what's a reasonable expectation and what's not. Um, but I do, you know, I would much rather have students take my class and for the entire semester know know what's expected of them not like stress about what their grade is going to be and then actually focus on like um reading and like thinking about what we're reading right because i think that um this is something that i in the last year i've been in this this working group in the english department on um what's called labor contract grading where basically you say at the beginning of the semester like you know uh, you, you do this amount of work and you get this baseline grade. It's like a B plus or an A minus or whatever. And then if you do extra work, you know, like extra assignments or whatever, then you can bump up from like an A, you know, to an A or an A plus. Um, but the, the, the sort of logic behind that is that like grades are kind of the currency of the university. Um, and what happens then is that the, the reward incentive is just like doing whatever it takes to get the grade. Um, and so students will stress about what their grade is going to be and not like focus on like what they've, you know, if they're learning the information or not. Um, and so if you say like, if you do the work, it doesn't matter kind of like what the quality of the work is, um, but you do it and then you accept feedback on it, right? And there's like a sort of ongoing conversation about what the work is. Um, then that's like learning actually happens in that space. And then the grade is something that comes in at the end and it's like, okay, you did fine, right? Like I did all of the work um, and through doing the work I learned, um, because I don't think that, you know, in an intro lit class, my expectation is not that students can like read something on their own and then like fully understand it. So like a quiz doesn't super, you know, make super sense. A quiz tells me whether or not you put your eyes on the page. Um, but we still have to talk about it afterwards. Right. So, um, so being an easy grader, I think, to me, I grade on like, do I think that you've like read this and understood what I've wanted you to understand about it? And then also, you know, demonstrated that you've thought about it in some other way. Um, and then that kind of builds over the course of the semester. So I do think that that um, I'm not someone who, if, if I had sort of my my druthers, we would not have grades at all. Um, so I'm definitely not offended by being labeled an, an easy grader, but I do think that, um, yeah, I think that, that, that really what that means is that like the expectations are clear and, and I, I feel good when students 
tell me that they understand what the expectations are and that they are achievable. So. And so uh, now I got the next review, which is from April of 2019. It's English 103, mm-hmm. which I believe is an intro to English class. Am I right? Yeah, it's like um, honors first year writing. So they take the, oh. two, the two semesters of first year writing and they condense it down into one semester. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, so this is the review from then. It says, he was great. I don't like writing papers and was dreading this class. He was helpful, always responding quickly to email and didn't grade too tough. And it's sad because uh, two is actually spelled uh, wrong. It's with one O instead of two. But, you know, we're going to ignore that. <laughs> the class was not bad. I would definitely take him again. <laughs> and so um, a lot of the professors I've been planning to have are from, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, this Crimson White video they did back in 2014. Uh, where they got like all these different professors together mm-hmm. and like they were like reading their own reviews on camera and a lot of the complaints from them were that oh you know they spelled you know you as the letter you rather than like yeah. the word and stuff so if you ever read because i wanted to get into like soi's mm-hmm. like because i'm sure like i know our first guest said she like appreciates those more than like right my professors yeah. but uh like whenever you see that the like, you know, like a misspelled word, probably either in like a review or like an essay. Does that kind of like be like, oh, like as an English professor, you're just like, oh, no, you know. But I mean, that's not really a reflection on you as much right. as like the student. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I also like, like rate my professors or like even the SOIs are, are sort of an informal base, right? Like we just ask students. Well, we don't ask students to do rate my professor, but with the SOIs, usually you take like five minutes at the beginning of a class and you're like, please do these right now while I like drink this coffee or like step out of the room for a second. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not like edited writing. Um, so I, yeah. And I, I mean, I also kind of like, just in terms of like informality of language, I'd rather have students like say what they think in their own words rather than sort of try to do like administrative bureaucracy speech in their SOIs, right? Or sort of write in a way they think is gonna like, I don't know, trigger some algorithm or like get get some some office person somewhere to like check a box or something. Like I'd, I'd rather have them like say what they actually think. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not someone who stresses too much about, this is part of being like what the chill, very chill writing <laughs> professor, whatever they said, but um, that I'm, I'm much more interested in in getting language to convey ideas rather than be, you know, super super close. I, you know, it's like you run spell check. That's that's good enough for you know for most for most people. Um, so yeah, the grammar stuff, I'm not I'm not sweating that too much usually. Going to May 2019, we're almost out of 2019. Right. So this is so this is also this is the end of my first year here too. So this is. Oh. Just, just to contextualize this, I started in the fall of 2018. So, so it's again, English 103, and it says, definitely take him for English 103. Okay. I had heard bad things about other 103 professors and feel like I lucked out by choosing him. Fair grader and cares about making you a better writer. And this brings me to something. So a conversation that a lot of students have is when you're taking a class, it's, 
don't take this guy, don't take this professor over the other. Are professors aware that this conversation is being had? Do they know about their coworkers being sort of labeled as the bad professor? Or is it more so just a student gossip, if you will, just between and by students? Um, I, at least for me, like that stuff doesn't filter up to me. Um, I think that, no, I, I, I honestly don't know. I can like look, you know, it's, it's very human to like make judgments about people you're around. So I'm sure that, that people are like, oh, like I bet this person is a good teacher or not, but I don't, I don't know necessarily how, um, how those like whisper networks work, right? How the student, the student, um, stuff, you know, how that, how that shakes out. I do know that like, sometimes you get colleagues who'll be like, oh, I was talking to this student and they're in your class and they said they really like it. Right. And so like that, that rules, like that feels so good. Um, but I don't think it's ever been the other way around. I've certainly never had a student like complain about another professor. They'll be like, you know, this class is hard or something, but they don't like name, name who it is. Um, but it's also a weird thing. I mean, there's so many, like in, in the English department, there's so many instructors teaching the classes that, that I teach, right? There's, there's, you know, hundreds of first year writing sections every, every year. Um, and at most one person can teach for a semester. So, you know, it's really a crapshoot for, for who you get. Um, and so I, I kind of, I kind of feel like students should stress less about it because it's like, it's like, you know, who, who, I guess there's like a lot of options for scheduling. Right. But sometimes it's like, this is the only thing that works with, with your schedule. And so um, it'd almost be better to like, sort of not know going into it. Um, mm -hmm. If you didn't have any say over like what section you got to pick. Um, but I do think that, um, I do think that the, the idea that, I mean, everyone, of course, we know that students talk to each other about, about who we are, but I, I do think that, that for the most part, students spare us from, from, from knowing that. Um, and I, and I do think that it's, it's good. It's good for us to not know, um, because it, it's like not productive, right? Like what, like, what are you going to do? Be like, haha, like this person sucks at teaching. Like that's not, that doesn't help anybody. Um, so yeah, good question though. And I, I think, too, as a student, sometimes I'm scratching my head because I'll bring up a professor that I'm taking and I'll have somebody maybe overgroup me or some sort of messenger be like, don't take this guy. My friend's cousin's best friend's dog took this class in 2012 and he hated it. And it's like, first of all, how did you go through that many lines of people before getting to that one negative review and then also also looking at right my professor there are some negative reviews that just don't make sense because i had i had read a professor's review one day and it was like don't take him i told him the week before finals or like the last day of dead week that i wouldn't be there and he said well you're gonna have to not you're gonna have to extend taking and it's like why like you should know that i won't be here because i just told you and then it's like well you also just 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 told him and it's like that's don't funny. take him he doesn't accommodate very well and it's like i don't really know if that's yeah. more so their fault or yours yeah yeah i'm right i mean I, I feel like a lot of the times these 
things do you come down to sort of like one one thing like one sort of like grain of sand in the in the mechanism of the class that students get get sort of hooked on um like i remember i think it was my first semester teaching as a grad student and in in the like official course evaluations that that they gave i got one person said that i stuttered when i talked and i was like why would you say that like that is so <laughs> that is so like either I like know about it and I'm like, I can't do anything about it or like, what, like, what am I going to do about it? And then another person said, I wrote on the board crooked. And I was like, <laughs> it's not like it's like unreadable. Like, it's not like it's at like a 70 degree angle. Like that, like, like, what is, is this the only thing that is like the only experience you had in the class was being like, why does he write on the board like that? So I do think like there's some, but there's also like no outlet for that. Right. There's no, I feel like there's so little space for students to actually like, articulate what their needs are um, in in, cl in classes and like as students sort of across the university, um, that it makes sense, right? That that like those those sort of silly little things can sort of like pop up um, in, 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 when they're in SOIs, you're like, why would you like, please, why would you not just like email me about this or something? Um, because it is kind of like, it is kind of like going to the manager, right? About like, about like, whatever <laughs> like, like if you were like at a store and you were like yeah the the cashier stuttered when they took my order you're like why would you say that right? like, <laughs> it doesn't help anybody so kind of going back to the chillness mm -hmm. uh, i think this is actually the last review from 2019 okay it's from november and it's african-american uh lit uh two four nine mm -hmm. i can't numbers as we discussed uh i actually love this one even though there's like a lot of spaces for some reason like it'd be like space comma space but uh, we're gonna ignore that it just says i'll say i will say my macbook has like i don't know if it's sticky keys or something i'll type certain letters and it will either double up and that includes spaces so no hate just love to this person i get the struggle right. but they start out with love with five e's just emphasis. They love you so much. They put five E's. <laughs> love this teacher. Most laid back teacher I've ever had. Very understanding. I started coming to class in the beginning. Then later, I just stopped and still passed this class. And also uh, the punctuation is a little bit messy. <laughs> you have a one page journal due each week, which is super easy. I barely read any of those stories. Final exam is take home. Most tests are short answer, but super easy, two exclamation marks. Best T, capital letters. <laughs> okay. I, okay, let's just start with best T. What kind of T do you best think tea. were either drink? Do you think they meant like literal T or like, like had like a lot of gossip? T-E-A? T-E-A, uh, yes. They had to have run out of the character limit. Yeah. They had to have reached the well, character this limit. Was, this was what, November 2019? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I had kind of like gone off the rails a little bit that semester and was like really like talking a lot about how the university worked in my classes. Um, so, so they may be referring to T in that sense, right? That I, I was just yeah. like, here's how things work at this at this school. Um, the other, I mean, that this, this is one, this one kind of hurts a little bit. Um, oh, no. When 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 it goes from easy to like here's like specifically how it's easy, it makes me feel like oh come on, right? Like why would you why would you sort of like put this out in the open? Um, 
especially, I mean, so especially the, when, when they say like I stopped coming to class and still passed. Um, very yeah. understanding. They said midway through the semester. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. It says at the beginning they started coming to class and then later I just stopped and still, it's not even stopped. It's just, I just stopped and still passed this class. <laughs> But um, that's like, I think that's what we were going to bring up is that the student brought up not coming to class midway through. Is this review particularly harmful? Would it promote students uh, to take your class to just like not show up or just like not do the work you think? Yeah, I mean, something like that I would be sort of concerned about. Um, I do think that. It's. Yeah, I mean, so like, I don't know. I it's it's a hard it's a hard sort of like line line to toe because you want students to come to class, right? You want stu- you want students to want to come to class, right? That's the, that's the ideal thing, right? Is that is that like you should not have to have an attendance policy, um, and the policy should be that like the class is interesting and you you show up because you like it. Um, I do think that. So this semester I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was getting weekly, like one page written responses to the readings, um, just as just like, you know, it's sort of like prove that you've read it thing. And I would, I would sort of read through them and, you know, um, but you have a hundred students, it's a lot to read a hundred of those things every week. Right. So then by the end of the semester, you're like, check, check, check. Right. So certainly goes downhill a little bit. Um, in my sense, I mean, like students said things like this in the, the SOIs, right? Sort of like, I, you know, be like, I think that like other people took advantage of this and it's like, okay, like I'd rather, you know, that's, it's, it's sort of like good to know that. Um, but yeah, I am, I am like constantly trying to, to figure out how to, how to do, because like just like having people in the room who like don't want to be there, like doesn't help them, right? Like it doesn't. If you're if you're like zoned out in the classroom, it's no different than like not being there, right? Um, I think that I this semester I had done a lot of the grade was this sort of weekly participation stuff, um, which was not even participation. It was just like proving you've read it. Um, and I've switched more to like having low stakes like in class stuff, right? So like you you get you you do something in class, you get credit for being there, and then you can like make that up with something that's like written or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does, it does, it does feel, it feels a lot worse to be like, here's how you can sort of like hack this, this professor's, <laughs> this professor's grading algorithm rather than sort of like, if you take this class, like you can just learn and have fun, right? Like it's not, it's not, it's not, the same. it's like taking this class to not do anything is a lot worse than like, you could take this class and, and not have to worry about what your grade is, even though it's, those are basically the same thing, right? But like, it feels, it feels bad to have it be laid out so, so clearly this way it's got to be a hard sort of thing to crack down on people missing class. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I was talking about this before the sort of labor contract idea. Um, and, and part of what that does is it says like, you know, there's a certain amount of like labor time that you put into the class over the course of the semester um, and doing the grading that way, which I've done in my writing classes. And I did a, in a summer literature survey once. Um, part of what that sort of builds into it is that the work of the, like, half of the work of the class is coming to class, right? So if you're not coming to class, you're not doing half of the labor that is expected of you, um, right? In, is, you know, per the sort of grading contract that, that's been established. 
Um, and so that's sort of, once I started thinking about it that way, right, it was like, okay, that makes sense, right? Like, it's not, that's not just like you show up and I'm like performing for you, right? It's not like a show that you're missing and it's like, oh, it like sucks for you that you didn't get to see my like great thoughts on like narrative of Frederick Douglass or whatever, right? It's like, you should actually like be engaged in like thinking through that. Um, and so once I started thinking about it that way, it, it felt, it feels much more like okay, right? It feels more justified to have attendance be part of the grade, right? Because it's not just like, is your, is your butt in the seat or not, right? It's like, it's like, I'm recognizing that there's something that's happening during class. And then that also puts pressure on me or it doesn't put pressure on me, right? But it also sort of reinforces to me that like class time needs to be productive, right? It, it needs to not just be like, I stand up there and talk or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's not just like a slideshow that everyone, anyone could do, um, which in like a, a literature class is easy because like that, that leads to discussion in a way that, you know, like a chemistry 101 would not for example, you know, like there are other classes where it like wouldn't really make sense that way. Um, so I do feel kind of lucky that like I get to teach material that that, that works with. Um, but I, I do now what I tend to do is I'll say like you have to like be in a certain number of classes to get, you know, this like this sort of grading threshold. Um, and then and then you can make it up by doing work, right? Like if you've missed the sort of 75 minutes of labor that being in class gives you, then like you can make it up by like writing a reflection on the stuff that you missed and with the assumption being that like, you know, the 45 minutes that you would have had your brain turned on in class is now being used to write this, you know, a couple pages about the thing that you missed. Um, so that it ends up being easier and a better use of your time to come to class, right? Rather than like doing the, doing the makeup thing. Because I do want people, you know, people need grades for all kinds of reasons, right? And so if you miss class for legit reasons, you shouldn't be, you know, punished for that, right? But if you're, if you're missing it because you don't want to do work, then that's pretty clear because you don't do the makeup work and then you don't get, you don't get the points, right? So um, that's kind of how I've, I've sort of tried to, to balance that, that at, at this stage of this stage of things. And then continuing on with African-American Lit 1, this is August, 2020. So we're up in the twenties now. Yes, this Here is COVID, go. this is COVID era. <laughs> he, they go, I think he might be the best professor I've ever had. Mm -hmm. He is the most understanding man, and he is a white man teaching a class about African-American literature, but seriously explains it so well, and even took the time out of class to talk about all the racial injustices going on. I took this to get an English credit, but I'm so happy I did. And sort of caveat to that, what made you choose African-American Lit and what would you say are the most challenging but also rewarding aspects of teaching this class? Um, so my, my like research is really on whiteness. Um, so I'm thinking about, thinking about the way that race works in this country. Um, and so in, so the way that like a, you know, graduate program in English works, a PhD program, you know, you, you have coursework for a few years and then you have, um, you have what is known as qualifying exams, which qualifies you to become a candidate for the, the doctorate, um, where you basically spend a year or like 18 months with a, a huge list of books that you read in certain fields, and those become sort of your specialty. Um, and so because I was doing, a, you know, sort of race in American literature, um, reading like African-American writers and, and African-American critics is like a large part of that. Um, so I had that background, right? Um, but my, my dissertation and, and the stuff I write on is, is primarily white Southern writers. Um, but when I got here, they needed someone to teach African-American lit sections. 
Um, and so since I had that, that background, right, I was like, I can, I can do this. And then I've just sort of fallen into it. Um, I'm actually teaching just the like plain American lit intro class for the first time this coming fall, um, which I, now I'm like, I don't even know like how to teach this class because I've been doing the African American lit one for so long. Um, but that's how I, I sort of, I sort of came into teaching these classes accidentally, even though it's, you know, it's, it's sort of a central part of my, um, of my research. And then also when I was an undergraduate and when I was a graduate student, like the sort of like activism I did as a student was a, around racial justice on, on campus and sort of in the communities around where I was a student. So, so that's always been something that I've, I've cared about and has been sort of central to my, um, my sort of political and intellectual sense of self. Um, and I think that, I think that the way that I, you asked like sort of how I try to manage that or how I kind of balance that. Yeah, the, yeah, you, that and also what would you say would be the most rewarding mm -hmm. and then also the most challenging aspects mm -hmm. teaching that section, African-American lit, mm -hmm. race included or not included? Yeah, well, so I mean, I think the thing that's most rewarding about it is that by and large, students are really, really excited to take that class. Um, and this is something that I, you know, I always have conversations at, at the beginning of the semester about, which is like, I always ask, like, you know, how many people have, like, read Black writers in, like, any other class, right? Um, and it's usually, like, you know, we read, like, Langston Hughes poems in, like, February of our, you know, sophomore year of high school or whatever, right? It's, it's always, it, it's usually, like, very limited. Um, and so there's always a lot of student excitement at the beginning of the semester, which is, which is something that, you, you like can't put a price on that as a professor, right? For like students to like be invested in the material before they even start. Um, so that's, so that's really good. Um, I do think that it's also really rewarding because um, the kinds of conversations that happen in, in those classes, I think are often very different from like other lit classes um, because it is, it is so focused um, on particular like intellectual traditions, particular political traditions, particular cultural traditions. Um, so there's there's automatically like a focus that's kind of built into the class that there's not for like a British lit survey, right? Which is like 700 years in 15 weeks, right? Like you, you can't do, that's, that's almost impossible. Um, or like world literature, right? Like how how do you cover like world literature in, in 15 weeks? So there's, so there's a focus that's really nice because you can kind of get into the weeds and some like, you know, historical debates and, and you know, people disagreeing with each other and things like that. Um, I do think with all of that, there's like a lot of responsibility to make sure that like I teach the class in a way that is not just like, oh, like I'm the white guy that teaches the African-American lit classes, like I'm good, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm like a good person for doing this. Um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of responsibility that I put on myself to be, you know, to, to, to continue to be learning, right? To continue to be um, pushing myself to like, not sort of get stuck in kind of a routine and just like teaching the same things over and over, and over again, or just becoming, you know, sort of like set in my ways with, with the text that I teach. Um, and then also to really like make space for students to um, bring different perspectives to what we're reading. Um, I think that there's a lot of ways in which students take the, the African-American lit class that I teach, which, which is, is from the colonial era to like the 1930s. So it's not even like contemporary, right? But there's a lot of ways that students um, 
expect, and I think rightly, right, that, that, that this is like one of the few classes that they will take at, at the University of Alabama where like the assumption is, is that like racism exists, right? And that like, like his, like black Americans like have, um, have offered things to like the world, right? Or like, and, and have like contributed to like American society and to global society in, in these particular ways, right? Like that's the foundational assumption of the class, right? Is that, um, is that like black creativity and thought um, and existence like is important, um, not just for like what it does for the country or for like the field, but like kind of on its own terms. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of, um, again, I, I feel like a lot of responsibility if, if this is the only class, right, that a student takes where like that's the assumption, right? Like I have to do a really good job with that, right? I have to do, um, I have to make sure that students come out of it not being like, well, like reading sucks, right? Or like, this is boring, right? Because if, if, if it's like, okay, you know, these, these novels from like 1850 might be sort of boring on the face of it, right? But because they're long and they're like talking about like, you know, this guy is like drinking too much and like the whole thing is about like, like, like this marriage falls apart because he like goes and like gambles in the street and you're like, what it like, why do, why are we reading this? Um, right. But like, it's like, there's, there's, there's gotta be, um, really have to sort of find ways to make stuff relevant because like it, it needs to be, it needs to be relevant, right? Like sort of as, as a space on campus, it needs to be, it, it needs to be doing a, a kind of work that I think a lot of other classes don't, don't need to be doing. Um, and so that's, that's like, again, it's worth a challenge and it's a real opportunity and it's something that makes it, it makes it really rewarding and exciting to teach every, every semester. And I think that's cool. Yeah, you can go, Joe. Oh, I was going to say, just looking over your, rate my professor overall, mm -hmm. there was not, aside from the one that I personally thought was a little backwards, like a backhanded compliment, if you will, um, there wasn't really a single negative review. Granted, the pool was only of six mm -hmm. but so that could be a good thing on the surface but would you believe then that rate my professor is a good platform for students to gauge whether to take a professor's class seeing as over two years of teaching you've only received six reviews how does that sort of chalk up to your experience and how students should choose their classes yeah, I mean, I think that, like, it's probably useful as, like, one data point among many, right? The same way that, like, I use, like, Yelp or Google reviews, right? It's, like, you look at the best ones, which are, like, it worked perfectly, right? Or you look at the, like, one-star reviews, and then you can learn, like, particular ways that, like, a product might fail, right? Or, like, particular ways that a restaurant might be bad. Um, so then if it's, like, the prof it's like the professor is very disorganized, like, one one out of five, it's, like, I don't mind disorganization, like, that's fine, right? But if it's, like, this person, like, you know, is, is abusive, right, and, like, smokes in class, you'd be, like, I don't want to have this, I don't want to take this professor, right? So, um, yeah, like, the, I don't know what the numbers system is nowadays, but, right, like, I wouldn't look at, like, 3.5 out of 5. I would be, like, what is, what are the particular negative experiences and, and can I imagine that being generalizable, right? If, if it's like slow to respond to emails, like that's probably true about the person in general, right? If it's like, they didn't let me go, they didn't let me like leave class the last two weeks because I wanted to go home early. You'd be like, that's not really a me problem, right? Like that's, that's pretty much like a, a one-time, a one-time issue. Um, so yeah, I would encourage students to, to, to read them, to read them critically. Um, and then also when you're writing evaluations, both in 
rate my professor world and also in SOIs to, to think about what, what's generalizable about your experience, right? Um, what, what is actually useful feedback to get and think about like, what would you actually want to know about the person and then sort of like try to give that information. And I guess sort of the final nail in the coffin on the topic of SOIs, just based on your memory or what you've seen, what would you say would be some of the most memorable SOIs you've received? Good, bad, ugly, purple? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the two that really stand out to me, I talked about before, the one where they said that I stuttered, and then the one where they said that I wrote crooked on the board, which I have, I have since figured out how to write more parallel to the right to the, the to horizontal um on the board since then i don't i don't know if i stutter if i even did or, or what but um so those two those two stood out as the most sort of like out of left field and just sort of like least least useful but most like anxiety producing um uh i'm trying to think there's the ones that mean the most to me just in general are the ones where students say, like, I did not expect to succeed in this class, and I did, um, right? Because what that what that says to me is that, like, I've helped them unlock something about, like, what they can then go do in the future, right? Like, it's not just sort of, like, now I know who, like, Harriet Wilson was, or now I know who, like, Frances Harper was. It's like, okay, like, I, I feel now that I could, like, pick up a book and read it and like have thoughts about it that make sense, right? Or like, you know, can sort of understand something about it. And and so so the ones that the ones that that say not just like you're great or like you're smart or whatever, but but that say that like I I got something out of this, like those those are the ones that I think are, are the most the most sort of impactful and have the biggest um th those those feel the best to read, I think. Yeah. And so with the close of the spring semester, you know, are you looking, well, number one, are you teaching any summer classes or? No summer classes. Okay. So we're just going to go straight into fall. <laughs> uh, so are you looking forward to, you know, a semester with like pretty much no COVID restrictions as far as I'm aware, you know, what, what's your outlook on that coming up just like as a teacher and as a person, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, am excited to be in the classrooms again. Um, really hope that like a, a sort of cr critical mass of students get vaccines um, because I would like for there to not, be, for not, for there to not be like more outbreaks on campus. Um, just, I mean, just even, even just for a sort of basic level, it's like disruptive to the class, right? For you, someone to be, sick or like out for a couple of weeks right like that that sucks right like that that like totally derails the entire semester if you like have to miss two weeks of class or whatever so so my hope is that is that students get vaccinated um which then lets everyone like be in class the whole semester and then also like doesn't scare people off from being in class, right? Like people who are worried about COVID wouldn't have to like be afraid of their classmates, right? Like that that's that's what I, I would be most concerned about, right? Is sort of like the people who do wanna be there um, feeling like they can't do it safely. Um, and I think I think reasonably, right? Feeling that, that they couldn't do it safely because I had, you know, I had, I had just an, an un, 
an untold number of students this semester who lost family members, right? Like close family members to COVID. My grandmother died of COVID. And so I, I think that um, there's people, pe like people who have been impacted by it, like feel a certain way about it, right? And, and people who, who haven't necessarily, or like who got it and it like was mild for them, like have a sense of, of, of sort of disconnect or, or sort of like, you know, super strength or, or resistance to it. But I, I do think that it's something that we need to continue to be diligent about. But I, I but again, I, I think that the vaccination is like the way to, to sort of solve all of the problems, um, at least from like a classroom perspective. And so my hope is that if you're a student and you're listening to this and you have not been vaccinated to just go ahead and do it um, because it's, it's gonna be helpful to everybody. And sort of tying the bow to sum everything up, mm -hmm. did you have any final or words or like lasting comments? Because I know we talked a lot just from a, at a glance, we talked about race and just recently COVID and mm -hmm. teacher student relationships. I think that this has been a very enriching nutrient filled. If this were like a Nutri-Grain bar, I'd feel pretty <laughs> replenished after yeah. this. But is there anything else that you would like to say that maybe we didn't touch on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that just, just with us getting back to in-person instruction in the fall. Um, my hope is that everyone feels energized by it, right? And that that students want to come, like, want to come to class, right? It's like people people were like crying for it, right? This whole year, and then if people show up and then like don't want to be in class, it's like, well, then like, why why were we complaining before, right? So like like there, my hope is that people like will feel a new kind of like energy and like sense of like why being in person, like why being in a classroom is important, why having um, actual relationships with your classmates is important, why having professor student classmate, you know, or relationships is important. Um, and that, and that also that professors take some of the stuff that they learned this semester or this last, you know, year or, or year and a half or so about, about, figuring out like what a reasonable workload is and like figuring out like how to use technology to like ease communication and like, you know, to streamline stuff. Like, I hope that that stuff doesn't go away too. Um, because I, I think that if we just go back to like the way things were before, then it's like, what did we just do this, this last year? Right. Like that, then everything was just like totally like, we were just like we were just like spinning our wheels basically right so so my hope is that my hope is that like we have a, a a better appreciation right for what what university what the university is right what like a college education is what what a college classroom is worth um and that people come in with a sort of you know with an excitement and a sort of open-mindedness and a willingness to sort of grow and 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 push themselves right in ways that maybe they wouldn't before um, um, so that's, that's my hope for this, this coming, this coming year. Right. Okay. So, um, we just thank you so much for being on here, right. you yeah. know, especially me, because I'm really thankful that, um, I really enjoyed your class in the spring and I was so happy that you agreed to talk with us again. Cause I, like, I think I mentioned in the intro, you know, um, you know, hopefully this will bring more awareness to you as a professor and you can get more students and you That'd know great. It'll be a great time so yeah yeah again, i'm teaching yeah i'm teaching a class on um passing in american fiction um it is a, a it's an african-american studies class it's not in the english department 
Um, it, it's like 395 and then some section, but it's it's got space if people want to take it. Very All fun. Right. There's no prerequisites for it. You don't have to have taken anything. You can just you can just drop right in. Um, you heard the man. Check it out. Yep. Yep. Add that to your um, degree works. <laughs> Bookmark it. Bookmark it. All right. So again, we don't want to take up too much of your time today, but it's been a great conversation. So yeah, again, we thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for thinking of me. I had a lot of fun. All right. Uh, bye. Have a good rest of your summer and all that. Wow. Wow. Not- really cool. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Of course, we would hope episodes are up every friday but you know things happen we're people too but one thing we wanted to do really quickly like we did last episode is shout out our social media pages but with an update we now have twitter at we rate ratings monica if don't know what there is to talk about with that but well it'll be just basically like the same thing as our insta where you can dm us on twitter instead maybe you just have one or you know, what have you, you can DM us either on Twitter or Instagram at we rate ratings, no period, no underscores, no capital letters. Uh, and yeah, we'll have little bloopers posted. Not really so much bloopers as like bonus content because we try to keep these episodes under an hour, but you know, we get off topic maybe with our guests, maybe with ourselves. So yeah, you can get all that bonus content. We're not even putting it up on like a Patreon with like a paywall just no paywall no paywall yes i don't need money that bad i mean i do but you know we don't want we're journalism we don't have to we don't have to lie to ourselves we we could all use some money in this day and age yeah um so as we're ending things off here after our social media plug um we are just gonna encourage you guys to keep listening i guess again we're gonna hopefully post every friday you know, it might be more chaotic if we continue this into the fall. But right now, every Friday, and we're going to see you guys next time. Right, Josh? We will see you next time. See you when I see you. And <laughs> I don't know what to add to that. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>